Welcome to Forge by Fire. My name is Ryan Stevens. I'm here with my good buddy, Rob Hefley. We also have a special guest today that I'm super excited about. His name's Daniel Shaw. Daniel, what is up, buddy? How you doing, Ryan? Man, I'm living the dream. Dude. Am I your Betty or is, is Rob just your Betty? Oh, no. He's my that, 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 buddy. Yeah. He's my buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, um, man, what we do is when we talk, when we first start the podcast, we say, what's your grid coordinates? Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, man, what's your, what's your grid coordinates? Uh, man, I had just finished the last day of four days in training, um, running through, uh, a couple of days of handgun class, uh, carving class. And then, uh, one of my flagship, um, kind of law enforcement classes, this was an open enrollment class, patrol rifle problem solver. And, uh, it's been a busy four days, um, tired physically. Uh, mentally, man, I just I just spend in all together all the students we've had. Uh, there's a lot of uh, people that are that are inspired now, leaving to get more training, be better people, Boom. and that always feels great, man. That training high, whether you're conducting the training or taking the training yourself, there's a high that's similar to like a runner's high. So mentally, man, I'm I'm, I'm stoked. I'm all about it. Like nobody, uh, everybody learned stuff. Everybody did stuff good. Nobody did stuff bad awesome time out here at s7 slinging lead come on dude it was awesome to watch this guy just turn and burn it was really cool um i was only out for the rifle part but man he's absolutely right it was very very cool um so some of our listeners might not know who you are dude like um can you tell us a little bit could you give us a quick bio so if i said daniel shaw and i had no clue who daniel shaw was um Tell us, man. Sling it. All right. I got like seven versions of this, and it depends <laughs> on how much time. Uh, I, I don't, um, you know, I, I'm just a guy who, I was a regular old infantry guy, not MARSOC, not special forces, nothing, just a regular straight leg grunt who questioned a lot of things. And uh, <laughs> uh, a long time ago, uh, I got I got lucky enough to put on this, this special group, a special team for a short period of time. And uh, I stood next to people that were just on the shoulders of giants, you know, literally uh, learning from them because they would they would talk and I would have my mouth shut. That's a good skill to have out there in life if you're listening. Uh, there's a time when you just keep your mouth shut. And uh, I just kept my mouth shut and took notes, man. And I learned so much uh, on how to be a better person, a better fighter, a uh, better Marine, uh, lots of things. And, uh, you know, I, I got inspired to learn more and realize that what we were taught, you know, uh, when we're teaching the masses or, the, or when I was part of the masses learning that there was so much more to that from those guys and just learned a tremendous amount of stuff and I learned the value of having good mentors and these people really took me under their wing and, and taught me tons of different things that I never even thought existed like I had no idea I thought I knew things I had no idea how much I didn't know um, turned to the future a little bit I got dropped in some really cool uh, locations where I was in in charge of some training and, and doing some training and uh, after I had continued my quest for knowledge for for many years I, I found myself about really about five years later in a leadership position uh, with a bunch of guys standing around me with their mouth shuts and their notebooks opened. Uh, there somehow we came full circle where I became that guy that people were relying on. They were trusting me, what I said and what I knew, uh, what I thought I knew. So that, that empowered me even more and it, it gave me this drive to where if people are trusting me and they're listening to me and they're gonna, they're gonna take the information I give them and, and trust their Marines lives and their lives with them and now out in the civilian world with law enforcement and armed citizens, uh, I've gotta be on my A game, man. I gotta be right. I can't be wrong. I can't afford to tell people things that are wrong. I can't afford for them to uh, for them to trust me 
and then they go out and do something that gets, gets them hurt or locked up in jail or something. So uh, I have this intense motivation now to make sure that I am right. Um, and to because people are all standing around me with notebooks open all the time. And uh, I have to make sure the stuff they're writing in that notebook is is the best knowledge that we have right now. And uh, there's a, that's the quick version of, of my life story. Started back in the day in the Marine Corps and uh, I just kept doing it. I'm really impressed today though, because I get to watch from the outside. The tempo, like, I don't, you know, some of your guys, like one was an OBGYN, looks at vaginas all day long, you know, and, you know, another guy writes, you know, apps for a couple of the largest churches in the world, which is kind of cool. Then you have law enforcement, you know, prior military and some people. Firefighters. Firefighters. Big mix. Yeah, but it's really cool to see them. You kept the tempo all really good, but they were still moving and still not, it wasn't easy. And man, it wasn't too hard, but it was like right there at the threshold, which I love that because you see people doing stuff they're really uncomfortable doing you know and loving it though and that's always cool to me to see especially for men some i've never get to do that kind of stuff and never you know they dreamed about doing that stuff and just to be able to sit there and level up at a different place was is really cool to see that but also you know in into four days seeing the ones that were here for four days and also seeing how you're still motivated to do that because you're doing something you love which i love to see people doing with their love you know and, and being enjoying seeing other people and pulling them along the way with them not just doing it by themselves and and that's really cool to see ryan somebody he served with too that has the same attitude and somebody you know that loves the same thing um doing those things which is it was fun for me to see and uh just keep doing what you're doing man come on dude i think the biggest thing is inspiring men not only to learn a new skill but What's rad is for them to set their ego aside and come into a brand new environment and trust somebody to take them to the new level, right? To watch them level up. Because, I mean, we've talked about this, Rob. I think men lie to themselves on a daily basis. And there's that barricade of ego that we just keep there. It's almost like our safety blanket. We wear this ego because we don't want the, the soft inside to get crushed. Uh, but when that barricade's up, we don't grow. And it was awesome uh, to see him just drop the barricade and just say, hey, let's, let's get after it. I'm going to make mistakes. Let's do it in a training environment and just watch people just grow versus saying, you know what? I already know about firearms. I don't need to go out there. And so it was awesome. Super awesome to see. I'm mean, just thinking about that Toby Key song, as good as it used to be. Is that what it is? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> These people come out there and they're, a lot of them don't know what they, to expect. Some of them do. But they're surrendering ego and they're expecting to learn stuff and they're they're making the, they're they're uncomfortable. I'm making them uncomfortable all day long. I, I I don't do something over and over again. If they're getting comfortable, we've already went to the next thing by before they get comfortable. I don't allow them to get comfortable in anything. Um, I'm still in this for my buddy. The idea has been in my head for a long time, but the the phrase uh, I can't say it's mine. I wish it was, but uh, and it may have came from somewhere else. But Ryan Hoover from Fit to Fight, a good friend of mine. He uh, he says there's growth and discomfort. And uh, for me, I have never experienced any real mental, physical, spiritual, uh, any kind of growth and any skill without discomfort being involved. Uh, you don't get more physically fit without being uncomfortable. Uh, you have to, as a man, we have to, we have to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations. You're not getting real rewards if you're completing tasks that aren't uncomfortable. Uh, I have made a habit of in my life for many, many years of, uh, if I get comfortable, I am bored to tears, man. I have got to be uncomfortable. Uh, I just, I just have to be, I need it. I desire it. That's kind of the, that's kind of the definition of our show, right? Forged by fire. That's when Rob yep. and I, when we first got together, we were saying that 
a lot of men are not willing to jump into the forge, but just like a knife, you know, you take this steel, you heat up the forge and you, and you put the knife in there, or you put the metal in there and it actually changes the properties of that metal. And then through shaping and adversity, which is the hammer and the anvil, you pull it out and guess what? You can make something, it changes, probably becomes hardened. And that's what we see with a lot of men. And we try to inspire people through our podcast to listen and say, you know what? I'm listening to these guys talk you're right. I do need to push myself. It might be being a better father, a better husband, a better friend, because Rob and I, we've talked about it. I mean, you know, as well, we live in a crappy world where no one really cares. People are, you know, it's just, they're negative. And so trying to speak life and light into people. So they're willing to step out and grow and become the best version of themselves, which is super, super important to us. I mean, we talk about that living uncomfortably. Because, like, you know, the first time I think about going to Jits class for the first time, and, <laughs> and the blue belt's like Welcome slobbering over to there. The you know, dojo. you're sitting there, like, laid out, like, yeah, you were fresh meat. I'm like, it's still fresh meat. So, I'm like, I don't want to tap. <laughs> I was like, I'm not giving in, you know. But that, that part, too, is like the uncomfortable part there is like, even today, like, you know, learning, watching Jeremy. I was really impressed by him because learning, I told him, I was like, you know, always be a problem solver. Because I think that's a huge deal. I try to teach my kids, but I was like, when you get uncomfortable, breathe, take a breath. And look, how can I get out of the situation or make it better? Because it's like that part two is where people freak out and don't do the right thing or do something completely wrong. And as you know, learn how to sit there in those uncomfortable places really, you know, how, how are you going to react? That's cool. So, um, dude, it's it's the Marine Corps birthday, dude. Happy birthday. Dude, happy birthday, brother. Dude, I mean, how many years has it been since? I think it was 11. We figured it out the other night. Yeah. Yeah. 11 years, man. Dude, can you believe that? 11 years and we're back in a building having a podcast. Dude, would you ever would have thought that that would You look the same. Dude, I I don't feel I look the same. Like I'm the fatter version now, right? (laughs) I ran so fast that my hair hair fell off, right? It's like it feels, I feel like the hair falls. You didn't really have hair then. (laughs) I didn't. If I remember correctly. No. Yeah. My nose was straighter before I met you. Dude, do you want to tell that story? (laughs) No, we don't need to tell. But Ryan broke my, well, Brian, Ryan, he was the force vector. (laughs) My hand was the thing that broke the nose when I was holding a pad for him. He he needed me so hard. I weighed like 165 pounds at the time, and uh, he was like 225, like all muscle and and fierce and vengeance. And uh, he threw a knee so hard in the pad after I'd already ran this crazy course with all these like 18 to 20 year olds in it, and I'm like in my 30s, and uh, I, I beat all those kids, man. Because like when you're in, when you're like a staff sergeant and you got all these like college age kids around and they're they're following you and and you're the boss like every chance you get you gotta you gotta prove that that you deserve to be their boss man like and, and you you run them all man you run them till they drop out till that you beat them so i smoked them all he did and he was so motivated i have time to run this is kind of is what he said normally i don't get to right <laughs> so so a little bit of background for our listeners is that um daniel and i we were in the Marine Corps together and we trained at this place called TCO. It's called Training Company and it's responsible for training essentially uh, fast teams, fleet anti-terrorism security teams, uh, the people that guard Camp David, kind of the, you know, presence getaway pad. And then uh, PRP commands is the Marines that guard nukes or submarines when they port. And so Daniel was kind of the firearms guru of that place. 
uh, we, we called it the rocks, if you remember. And I would go down there and watch him run his business. And he was just, back then he was good. I mean, he's even better now. But back then he just knew his stuff and he was very calm, collected. He's like a pink when chilling, doing the backstroke when he's teaching. He's just so chill. And I really looked up to that. And then on my side of the house, I was in charge of the combatives program uh, the martial arts program. And so we had two different sections that we would link up once in a while. And that's what happened. Shaw came in and I was the trainer of that session. And I don't normally get to train and Shaw was just getting it. And at the end I said, Oh man, you know, you know, that whole saying hurt people, hurt people. That is <laughs> bro, it's so true. I was an idiot back then. I just, I mean, I'm still an idiot, but back then I was even more of an idiot. And so yeah, I had the opportunity to get it. And, uh, and, um, man, you know, held the pad. And next thing you know, I remember like just trying to click off safe and put in the work and I, I, you know, beating the bag and then Shaw's nose was sideways and blood was coming out. I was like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. I remember, um, you ran down and punched. <laughs> We're doing good. He was moving me, but we did it. And then he came back for the knees and he threw a couple knees and then I heard a snap. Uh, I was already covered in sweat anyway. And then I'm like, no, keep getting it. And he's like, dude, you're, I was like, get it. And then uh, at some point he, uh, he's like, man, it's really pouring blood. <laughs> and so I, I went to the emergency room. I was room. like, Corman. <laughs> so, you know, you know what's crazy is like, man, I, I've, I've always had a kind heart, but a, kind of a rough spirit, right? I always had a kind heart. I always love people and I always want, I've always, even when I was in my rough time, even when I was a hoodlum before I kind of gave my, my life to God, right? I was, I was, I was a hoodlum back then, but I still had a good heart, but I've had a rough spirit. I always wanted a, you know, rough, just rough. And I felt like I would always try to be nice to people, but I broke everybody, you know, like, you, you broke know, a lot of people. In our command, there was always like someone who had a torn ACL, rotator cuff, broken nose. Did they just not tap or what? No, it's just, I, was, I don't know. I'm always like, I don't know. I try to be easy. I mean, I've learned it now. I mean, I'm a lot more mature now. But back then, I just try, I would try to be easy and it would come out rough. Come out rough. Like a bull in a china closet, I guess. So you guys met first time as a tea company that... Yeah. And so that was, you said 11 years ago? Uh, 11 years ago. Yeah. We, we met and we became kind of weird. I don't know how, how did we, how do we become friends? I mean, I mean probably cause we hung out every day and we, you broke my bones Yeah, and like, you know, trauma bond. So, uh, I don't know. We like went to dinner or something. We hung out one night. We yeah. played, we, we played we all night yeah. once and, uh, like with, with me and you and, uh, our wives and, yeah. uh, yeah. And it's just crazy. It, I mean, give props to Daniel. I mean, Daniel, so we got out. I mean, you know my story. I ended up um, getting out. Um, my knee got jacked up and I got ripped from the Marine Corps. I, di I didn't want to get out. And um, so I started law enforcement. Well, first I did executive protection law enforcement. And then I remember looking and, and dude, Shaw, I'll let you tell your story, kind of how you got out. So our listeners, just in case they want to know. And kind of what brought you into what you're doing now. But I remember watching Shaw just grow. I mean, he already met, he, he could walk onto the range and just command the presence of people just because of his knowledge and how he talks. And he's always been humble. Uh, and I kind of, I, I admired that back then. I was not, I was like the old school cami handlebar mustaches, like everybody's going to get broke. So you can listen to me guy, which is the wrong way to do things, but he was always humble. And I, I admire that. And then I remember working law enforcement and seeing him just grow his business and, and who he was. And 
uh, as a friend and as a good dude, we met up at SHOT Show one year mm-hmm. and he really introduced me and I, w- you know, I, I was probably an idiot back then too, um, always on a constant path of maturity, but he really just, you know, kind of introduced me some big figures in the game. I remember I met uh, Doug Markaita, uh, Instructor Zero, uh, during <laughs> yeah. that thing, <laughs> the pizza guy, the little, dude, I thought he was huge. I thought he was a big dude. And <laughs> no, I was like, I, I walked in and he was like, dude, he was at the bottom of my chest. I was like, hey, little buddy, like, come here. He's a savage <laughs> with a gun, but I was like, bro, I, if you were any smaller, I could probably eat you. You know what I mean? But a super humble guy, but uh, I just watched him grow. And, um, man, then we linked back up and I just can't believe how God, you know, people cross, cross, um, you know, uh, cross paths, uh, back again. And so, so what happened, dude? So I bounced and, uh, uh, so what slingshotted you on the path of success at to become point, one of the, the best trainers, man? At some point when I was in the, um, training company, Marine Corps security forces, I, uh, I, the internet was getting very popular at the time on YouTube with some gun stuff and yeah. a lot of other things going on. Uh, I got really into astronomy and space and astrophysics. I don't understand the calculus side of it, but man, I love, I still do. I, I love learning about that stuff. I listen to podcasts on it, read books on it. So I just, I love it. And I got into this podcast uh, and nobody knew what podcasts were in like 2007, 2008. It was this new thing. Um, and I started listening to this podcast that I love. And I was like, man, there's so much misinformation on the internet. And I, I was probably giving out misinformation too. I know I was, uh, but I was like, man, I should do this with guns just to help, help people get some good information, you know, pass on what I know, what I, what I think I know. Um, so I created a podcast called gunfighter cast and, uh, I haven't done a podcast in, in about a year and a half and, but I've been working on cranking it back up, doing some website stuff, trying to get it going again. Uh, I just need to sit down and record some shows, but it's coming soon to be back. And when I put up a new show, I'll be the oldest gun running gun podcast on the internet, Boom. Uh, which is pretty cool. Very um, cool. It was it's very cool. successful. Did a lot of good. So it was great back in the day. And, um, real I, quick I, before you go, I don't want to interrupt Nick can, for our listeners that have not listened to the gunfighter cast. Can you tell us some of the people you've had, which is inspirational? I mean, who have you had on your show? Most all of the major trainers. And I've got the ones that I haven't had on lined up, you know, so it's, uh, I've had, uh, you know, your, um, Man, Steve Fisher, that was a popular guy. Joe Wire. Uh, man, there's a, there's a whole, you go look on the website. I usually have pictures of them when I have somebody on there. Dave Grossman. Uh, Dave Grossman, uh, Rob Latham. Uh, just tons of people on there like uh, that people know in the firearms world. Um, and some people that people don't know in the firearms world, but they're good to talk to. A buddy, Byron Rogers, uh, does a podcast, Executive Protection Lifestyle. Um, Byron has written a book for people leaving the military. Byron is just, he's, He's every day he puts out a Facebook video of him sitting in his car that is just highly motivated. You can't watch Byron's video and not want to go do something. Byron is, he's one of us, man. He's a, he's just a solid guy, very well-spoken um, and just always with a positive attitude. And I've had him on, we've had a, it was a great episode. One of my favorites of all time. It's had a lot of great feedback and it's, uh, and I've got him coming back on. We're going to talk about some stuff. Um, I've got uh, Dave Benton, Boone. People know Boone from Benghazi. Boone's a friend of mine. Um, and we he's going to come on and talk. Uh, and I, just, I got a bunch of guys lined up to come on. Jared Reston. A bunch, bunch of guys that really know what they're doing. They have amazing stories um, and on there. And, and the, my podcast is not political. Nothing like that. I don't talk about second. I mean, we talk about second amendment because what it revolves around. But I don't care if you like the president or don't like the president. I don't care which way you vote. Uh, anything like that. We'll have a topic that relates to self-defense, being a good person, uh, being a responsible person. Uh, 
fighting. And we'll start that talk topic. It'll be, hey, I'm Daniel. This is Gunfighter Cast. I've got with me here. We're going to talk about blah, blah, blah. When we're done talking about blah, 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 show's over. I'd say it's all, all content, uh, pretty much nothing else. So that's, uh, that's what the show's all about. That's what we do. Love it. You know, could we post... Uh, yeah. Maybe a link to that podcast for yeah, our for listeners sure. that want to listen to it. Yeah, we can put it. Yeah, we can put it in uh, our stuff definitely on, on Instagram and also try to put it on the show notes. Okay. So, I mean, I think I think one thing I, I I love information, man. I get I get on like these. I have like farming books, you know, jujitsu books, tons of Bible books. I mean, anything you can think of, pretty much our house is under the bed in my office, in my work office. My wife like pushes them places, and Ron's like, you know, a lot of times he gives me books. It's one thing I know we're good friends. He actually gives me stuff I like and uh, I mean information part I think there's so much out there we can get but I think one of the big things a lot of times we get information me and Ryan talking about is we don't share it and I think there's good stuff you know stuff we've learned is like hey you could use this and I'm one of those people I'll buy a book and I was like hey you need to read this and I'll sit there I was like what's your address and they're like why and I'm like I'm going to send you a book you need to read you know it's about something you're trying to do and just sharing it but I think podcasts are another way to share you know something definitely you've mastered in so many ways. And I think it was around too. I really talked to him. I was like, these are something you master. Cause I was teasing him. I was like, not very many people can master, you know, firearms and combat as the, I was like, they can actually speak or right. have a personality that you want to talk to that, you know, and I was like, that's a kind of a cool thing that we still talk about real life stuff. I did the math last year when I was doing my taxes, cause I was trying to write them all off. <laughs> uh, cause I was, I was finishing a master's degree in, in uh, English and uh, with my textbooks, the books that I read and audio books, um, I think I was at like $2,800, just around $3,000 in books last year. Uh, like I want to sell my Audible account. I don't know if there's a market for that so I can afford more books, right? Man, can you I've give me a password? The what? Can you we'll you, you want a password? We'll you, just, <laughs> you just committed a felony. I'm sorry. <laughs> Probably. Uh, We're but, sharing uh, stuff. We're sharing <laughs> books. Like, yeah. It's like the library. His library, my library. I've actually got an article that, I, that I'm working on right now. I'm really into story and, and filmmaking and storytelling and things and uh, um, and fiction writing. And it's just something I've always loved to do. And um, the, the cool thing is I... I've got an article that I've just started working on. It's going to go on a, a website that's in the outdoor space. Um, that's uh, basically titled, you know, 10 books on story uh, that are better than a master's degree in creative writing. Right. Cause uh, I have the master's degree in creative writing in English. Uh, but I've read books that are, gave me all the information in a much shorter amount of time. And uh, it was worth more than spending the money and the time in the, that thing. So have, it's you kind read, of, have you read Donald Miller's story brand? The what? Donald Miller's story brand. No, it's a good one. You need to read it? it. Oh yeah, um, huge book there. I'd say that uh, another one. Uh, Stories of Sticks, really new. Kendra Hall just heard her speak a couple years ago. Know that name? She, uh, I mean, just released it. But I was listening. My wife is an audiobook, and it's kind of almost, she bought it, so I can say I bought a chick book. But I, you know, I was listening to it. <laughs> another one. She talks about telling stories, and uh, I'm a huge storyteller because I think stories are what. That's what the attached stuff. Me and Ron tell stories until like they get bigger and bigger about each other's past and different things. <laughs> and you know, like, mm-hmm. and even like I was sitting around the fire last night with my dad, who's seventy three, my cousin Bill, who's eighty one, his brother was like in his like mid seventies, my uncle seventy seven, and listening to them tell stories, of which were some are really. I'm glad my son was in bed, but I was laughing because these stories, you know, since they were kids, they ran together and did stuff together, illegal stuff and fun <laughs> stuff and stuff that you know that. I probably shouldn't repeat ever, but it was like, I was like the story part of it, you know, like that's what they're connected to each other. Yeah. And like my dad, who's like business cowboy, you know, Wrangler, you know, just that guy. Then his cousin who is, went to Vietnam, came back and has been a hippie and never worked since, you know, 
I got a beard down here and long hair, you know, but they're cousins and they're, they're attached because of blood and because of stories that, you know, they've lived through these trauma bonds together, you know, these different ones kind of here and which is fun, man. But I love, and that's one thing too, I love to read and love books and, uh, but I love sharing that knowledge too, because I think, and that's when Ryan's really good at, it's when things became friends just to watch him, you know, teach, whether it be sheepdogs or out here on the range, um, is what we know, not just holding on to it, you know, saying, you know, this is, I don't want to share it because it's like the scarcity mindset that so many people's like, or I've got an idea, you know, I don't want to sit there and share it. Cause you know, me and my wife really talked about, you know, Hey, there's always, it's not the, it's not the size of the you piece of pizza you get, you know, you can make the pizza bigger and you still get more, you know, it's like, if you share it, there's more people add, it's like you're adding that ingredients in there. You know, you got the cheese, you got the sausage, you know, you got the sauce, the different things you make it better. You make it bigger. That's so funny. You say that that's kind of the, business model that we've been trying to do here in Arkansas. I came in and the Marine Corps taught me a lot of things through combat, through just serving with heroes. I mean, like Corporal Horn's story that I told the fire department when I was at their, their keynote speaker, just these warrior skills and through combat and Marine Corps martial arts and all the hard things that I, I did when I was in the military, I did it with a team. But then you get into the civilian sector and everything's my, my, I, I. You cannot carry the log. Like in the military, they have this physical fitness exercise that builds camaraderie and combat and skills and fitness. You There's this huge log, and I don't know how much it weighs. A lot. A lot. A lot. You can't do it by yourself. I don't care how big of a stud you are. You can't. But when I take 10 fired up Marines or an army or whatever you serve, I take these guys and I say, guess what? We're going to work as a team. We're going to pick it up as a team. We're going to move it as we're going to exercise a team. And we just, it's, it's not easy. It's still adversity, but you can get so much done. And so, you know, I think when I came out to the civilian sector, I said, why is everybody building castles? Like, why don't, if we're all in this similar kind of area, why don't we help each other? Why don't we, you know, if I own a range, why don't we do firearms? Why don't we have somebody hook up with ammo? Why don't, why don't I bring in another trainer who somebody would think is a competitor to us? I said, why don't, why don't we do that? And it's, it's not a norm. It's not a normalcy in this, in this realm that we work, right? It's everybody's, they want this closed off this closed off approach. It's my idea. It's my, and and here's the thing. And you guys would probably agree with me. The market is so huge. You can't capture it all. No, no, you can't. And who, and and, in, at the end of the day, who is the, who gets the benefit? The end user, the end user gets the benefit. If we're all working together, like you teach a class, I teach a class at the end of the day, they both get great information. You know, if you're not doing it for a purpose for the people, if you don't have a why behind it, I don't care what it is. It's not going to be successful anyway. No. Right? So and if you're, there's a lot of, I, in my world, in my space, you know, and it's yours too, the, um, in the training world, there's a lot of folks out there doing awesome things, man, working hard, giving a lot of themselves, a lot of their time. I've got friends who are teaching all over the country. As soon as they finish up one place, they're driving to another SWAT team to help them out. And they're passing, they're saving lives and they're doing good stuff. Uh, and they're doing it with a student focus, you know, with an end user focus. And there's a lot of folks out there who are doing it from this weird fame, Instagram, famous focus, doing a lot of stuff just to, 
to see how many how much dopamine hits they can get in a day with likes and arguments on the internet and everything else and uh, seeing who can be the most savage right because that seems like it's a cool thing these days which is ridiculous um, and uh, it's uh, or see so you can have you know give zero F's right like that's uh that's like the, the, the cool thing out there in this space too, the veteran space, the, the firearms training space. And, uh, which I, is I, the tough guy kind of mentality. Right. And I, I think it's the opposite mm. of, of the way reality should be. Why? If, it's, if somebody's listening, why? Because the students, I, I exist. I have a job. I feed my family by doing this because students want the information because they, they choose to come out and be uncomfortable and learn, uh, without them, I, I'm not anything. Like I'm, I'm a guy who's on the range by himself talking to himself, right? Like, so it doesn't exist with, without them. So they matter more than anything else that what me mattering and, and, or somebody on the internet, uh, who's looking at me and thinking I'm cool. Like that, that matters about zero right? in the yeah. grand scheme of things. It doesn't matter. And if I die tomorrow on the drive home to Wichita, hopefully that doesn't happen. If I, if I die tomorrow, all those likes on Instagram, none of those matter. You know, did, did I really, and I do believe, and I know that I have, and I sleep well at night knowing this, uh, that I've impacted lives through my podcast. In fact, lives through the example that I've tried to set on social media uh, and, and, I've, and positively impacted lives. So at the end of the whole story, when I'm saying into my story, into my life, uh, the most important thing to me is not because I want to be semi-famous because I have zero desire to be famous, but uh, I have a saying where I want to have, I want my family to have to run out the Superdome because of so many people on this planet from different countries uh, and from the U.S. are having to come, they all want to come to my funeral and pay their respects to the person who helped make them a better person. Wow. And impacted their lives. So they're the ones who matter. I, I'm not the one who matters. I'm just a, a whisper in the wind on a pale blue dot, if you want to quote Carl Sagan. Uh, That's like, a good but, quote. So, but that memory and those lasting impressions that I, I make it give to somebody and then they give them to somebody else by following that example or passing on that information that's what Matt, that's going to continue to live on. We got to so, talk about two things really quick. Okay. I, lo I love, you know, knowing your why. I'm, Simon, I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. You know, know your why. You know, like why you're doing something. I ask that question. Why are you doing this? If you don't know why you're doing it, why, you know, stop. Just quit. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's my next question is why do you live in Wichita? I need to know the truth. <laughs> well, funny story. <laughs> I love this silence. It was like, uh. Um, I run marketing for an e-commerce company okay. in the outdoor space, gunmagwarehouse.com. So buy your Ding. magazines at Gunmag Warehouse. Uh, I, I was going, I, I was, I was teaching in the, uh, the, I started teaching, I retired from the Marine Corps. Um, since I've been doing that, but this is back to what's the question that I asked me a long time ago. Uh, I was teaching as soon as I got out of the Marine Corps, cause I, for my podcast, people were like, Hey man, when are you going to teach a, teach a class? I want to take it. And this early retirement thing came up. So I retired at a little bit over 16 years from the Marine Corps cause the early retirement opportunity came up and I, 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 I said, like, can I do that? And they said, yes. So I did it. And I immediately started teaching and traveling around. I was really busy. Uh, the wife was like, babe, you're gone more now than you were in the Marine Corps. Cause when I was, I was, I was in a different city every weekend. And if I wasn't in a different city, uh, I was up all night working on a website to fix it, learning how to fix HTML, you know, just teaching myself a thousand different things. Uh, I had finished a bachelor's, I almost finished a bachelor's degree at that time in business. But uh, when you're actually doing business, you realize that your degree in business really doesn't <laughs> help that much. Um, cause, uh, cause uh, it's kind of like, you know, uh, humans make plan and God laughs. Right. But it's uh, kind of that, that kind of thing. And, uh, so I found a company in Wichita that was opening a, a range and, and they needed a director of training. So I went out there and, uh, and took the job and started doing it and met so many awesome people. We have so many friends in Wichita, just great people. It's a good community. I've got lots of friends, um, lots of in, in law enforcement and, and just regular people, uh, citizens out there that come to training with me. And, and we just, these are my friends. They're my students, but they're also my, my close friends. So, um, 
I, I started getting heavily involved in media. I did some stuff for uh, a lot of big major firearms manufacturers on the uh, film side um, and some stuff for internal distribution and stuff from, from external, like customer-focused distribution. And uh, just I kept... I kept doing a lot of film stuff with uh, Paulo Rubio or GN. People know him as it with Funker Tactical. He's a great storyteller, uh, a good friend of mine. And um, I worked with him for a few years and just learned so much from him about uh, being a visual storyteller. And I just got really engrossed in this stuff. And uh, I, I put in an application to go to University of Miami to film school. And I thought there's no way there's going to be a lot of guy who makes gun videos and stuff for firearms companies, you know, is going to get accepted uh, into the University of Miami. I'd already finished my bachelor's degree by then. So I was going for a second bachelor's. I wanted to learn film. I wanted to fill these holes because I was just so excited about film and I, I love it. Um, and, uh, and there's any kind of stories written or whatever. And uh, so they accept me and I'm like, well, I guess I got to go. So we pack up. I take like a year off and I do a year of film school down in Miami. Uh, That's awesome. I, that I had awesome. gotten through, um, I took a, a couple of writing, I took a writing class, a screenwriting class, and I, I took some production classes. And I realized very quickly that the production classes that are taught in undergraduate film, um, I had been doing those things for three years. Like I, I had those, I had those, I, I wasn't picking up anything in that. So my next semester, I took every writing class. They thought I was crazy because I was taking like six screenwriting classes at once. And they're like, you can't do that. I'm like, watch me. You know, I was like, but I talked them into it. They let me do it. And uh, first time in my life I ever had a 4.0 average in anything. Uh, I was reading books constantly. The professors were like telling me that I teach the class for them because I'm asking questions that they usually don't get except for their, their master's level, you know, stuff. Because I'm, I'm, I just could not get enough of how stories work. It's just, I could, we could do a whole podcast on that. It's like, we were talking about the other night, Ryan, and like I go into like a, a zone, you know, it's like, uh, dude, it's, a, it's a passion. And uh, this dude can tell stories, man. I, like, not just telling the story, but like how they, there's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Like how I never knew this is something I discovered like three years ago that there is a system and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like, it's so like liberating without sounding too much like a hippie. Uh, <laughs> I will say I've been called the Matthew McConaughey of the farms industry. I take it as a compliment. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I was in, in Miami and I was bored because when I first started there at school, I was waiting for a month, like waiting for school to start. And I was really excited about it. And I didn't have any classes on the schedule because I was, I had to go to school and I didn't have anything to do. And I was bored, man. I was down in Miami for like four days. I started looking online. Is there a place I can go teach at nighttime at an indoor range? or something so I found Gun Mag Warehouse online and I put in an application sent on my resume coming back the next day and I said like, hey can you come in so I go in and meet the owner and I sit down and talk to him and uh we're just like eye to eye on a lot of business stuff. It's supposed to be a quick interview. And I've seen all of his interviews since then. They last like between five and seven minutes. Usually he decides that they're not, he's not going to hire people. And so we're down there, we're talking for like three hours and he's wow. like, look, you're overqualified for all this. You know, I, I need, this is what I need. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to let you walk out the door. Like I'm going to give you a job and, and, and pay you something good to do it. So I don't lose you because this is an opportunity. Uh, so I, I jumped in it. And uh, about three months later, I was a director of marketing and of uh, it's one of the, we're, we're one of the major uh, e-commerce companies out there in the, the firearms accessory space. And we take focus mainly on magazines and we, we've grown it a lot since then. Um, but the cool thing about it is um, my, my mother passed away. Well, that's not the cool thing about it. But the cool thing is what happened after all this whole thing, but my mother passed away and we needed to help my dad become a, uh, learn to live as a, 
as a human all by himself without her around, you know, without having to be her caregiver because she had a, a pretty rough life the last few years and him being able to, how was he going to cope? So, uh, we packed up and, and moved, uh, to North Carolina to help out my dad for a little bit. And, uh, during that time I still worked remotely for, for gun mag. And, uh, I wanted to get to work on some video stuff that we were doing some product reviews and things. And I had a friend that would make a great grunt camera operator. He takes great still photographers, photography, uh, does good work. So I was like, Hey man, if I come over to Wichita and I buy a, a rent a house and I build a studio in the basement, would you come work for me for this much money? He's like, yeah. So, uh, that, that <laughs> awesome. was how, we, that was how we solved the problem of me not going back to Miami and, you know, getting this done. And we have such a great support system and friends in Wichita. We went back to Wichita to do that. And, uh, so that's, I, I work out of my basement there all week and teach classes on weekends, you know, travel around, uh, do that kind of stuff and make, make little videos and, and try to write on, on the side. And it's just, uh, I'm always, I've always got 70, irons in the fire man like i am not I happy unless i have work to do yeah, Dude, we, we I, need lo to. I love that you know maybe that's something our listeners can listen and maybe be inspired by is is i heard i was sharing this with daniel is less james i mean sorry less brown a motivational speaker he was talking about this um you know living out your dreams what is your dream and what's stopping you from going and tackling that? And he said, when you're dying and you're on your deathbed, and he's telling this story, he said, you're on your deathbed and you're about to die. He said, uh, uh, people are going to come in your room and there's the, these ghosts and they're going to be looking at you with these beady eyes. And they're going to say, you know, I was the dream and you're the only person that could have brought me alive. You're the only one that had the key to unlock me. And here's what I could have fulfilled for you, but you never did it. And then he gets real quiet and he says, how many of those are going to be in your room? And I was like, dang. And I look around and one thing that's really cool about you guys is just how you go after it. You know, and I didn't always have that. I grew up in my, my house. I, I was told that I wasn't good enough. And I had this internal voice when I started to go out and try to pursue my dreams. I had to stop for a second. I had this internal dialogue and battle inside saying, you're not good enough. Or if you step out and become an instructor, you can't compete with these other guys or you can't, you can't do it, you know? Um, but when I look at guys like you and you, Rob, uh, you know, you go get after it and, and you're out there and, you know, hopefully when I die, there's nobody who walks in the room, you know, I, I try to go out there and tackle it. At the end of the day, you know, God's going to be the one to determine if you're successful or not. So hopefully our listeners listen and say, you know what? You know, I got dreams. What's stopping me from going and doing it? Right. I, I, mean, I have found, man, I, I can do anything. Like I can do anything. Not that's because powerful I'm, though. Not because I'm special. Not because I'm, I'm not smarter than, I know I'm not smarter than most people. When I need to learn how to do something, I, I was putting a little short story I wrote up on, on, uh, on Kindle and on, uh, on Apple the bookstore. I had no, I, I said it for 12 hours straight. And I used the bathroom like once. I'm sitting here doing the pee-pee dance because I, 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 need, I couldn't take a break because I know I would, might not come back to it. I forced myself to figure out how to do this stuff, how to make this stuff work, how to get, how to get things up on Kindle and everything. I didn't know how to do any of these things. And I'm just constantly Googling. The, the information is out there and it's free and, and we can do anything. But my next evolution, I think, is that I need to realize that I can't do everything. And that you need a support element. Well, I, 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 I can do no. anything, but I can't do everything because I always have so many things going on and, and usually any one of these things could be the successful thing that I can make a living off of, a decent living off of. But when I do all of the things that I love at once, 
and then some of the things that I, I like but I don't love, then the things that I love start to dilute. Like I've got characters and stories that I've been working hard on writing for a year, year and a half. They call to me every day because they it's something. I'm like, oh, they they Jack should do this. Shelby should do that when this happens because I know these characters. They, they, I know what they look like. I know everything about them. I love them. I care about them. They make me laugh. They make me cry. Um, and I want to get back to them, back to their world, and see what they do. But I have to keep putting that love off because there's something else I need to do. Something a like or a need or another love. So. I've got a, my next evolution that I want to do in the future. I'm trying to do is to, to get down to those core things that I truly love the most. And the, the things like, like fiction writing and, and videos and, and visual storytelling. Those are like the two things on this planet at this point in my life that when I'm doing them, I don't feel like there's something else I should be doing. Boom. You know, and, uh, and that, that's why I know that those are real for me. And the other things, I was always like that other things beat me up to come, come see me. Come do me. Come, come do it. Mm. Uh, but those are the only two things. So I'm trying to figure out how to, how, to, how to focus like where all my energy needs to be, not just where it needs to be to pay bills and take care of everything, but like where, I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant this, but like where, where the world needs me to be, you know, or where the people that I can reach and help uh, need me to be. Dang, that's good. So question for you is what would you, what advice would you give our listeners, right? Somebody's listening to the podcast right now, driving to work or, you know, maybe, maybe in a tree stand for hunting season and they want to tackle their dreams. They want to, uh, do something big. You know, what would, what would be your advice? A couple of things. Um, educate yourself about it books, whatever you can find, whatever that dream is, learn the ins and outs of it. Learn, learn it. And while you're still doing whatever else you're doing, find time in your life to start doing it. Start doing, doing it in some way. Find a way to, to put that into your life and make it a habit every single day. Uh, read books like um, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. That's a good uh, one. So like that, that, that really talk about all the roadblocks that we put in front of ourselves. Ryan over here was telling me something a couple nights ago um, about something that he wants to start doing soon, but he's close to getting his black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and, uh, <laughs> and he's not going to do it until he gets that black belt. As if all, if you guys knew, maybe you do, all the qualifications he has in unarmed combatives, uh, but he thinks before he's ready to be an expert and before he's ready to put himself out there in front of the world, he needs a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. The dude <laughs> is high call, on he's, crack. He's like, calling me out right now. Like he, you're he, you're he, right. Like we, don't, awesome, we don't need that one more thing. You know, what, you know what? I would shoot a video, but I need this by this camera right here. I would shoot this, but you know what? I need this lighting system. I would I would write this book, but I, I can't afford Scrivener software. I, I, would, I would do this. Just we do always it. find excuses, but really it's fear. We're making excuses mm-hmm for ourselves and wow. we're putting fear in between ourselves and those dreams. Now, if you're like me, you have a wife and children that you need to take care of. Those are my top priority. You know, I, I've got to be a good husband. I've got to be a good father. I've got to be a good man. So I've got to take care of them. But can I really be the best at all those things if I'm in a dead end job? You know, there's a TV show, I forget the name of it. Um, but they, they, he talks about, there's a line in there. He talks about having your car parked in the wrong garage. You're married to the wrong person. You're staying, you're, you've got something going on. Uh, nobody's happy. It's miserable. You're going to the wrong nine to five every day. You're going to the wrong job, wrong work every single day. You're, you're, you're miserable in your life. How good of a father are you being? Dang. When you're coming home and bringing that home every day. I think, yeah, the, the whole thing goes back Dude. to what are, you, what are you modeling? You're modeling saying, I'm going to live in a mediocre life and mediocre things every day and not follow my dreams. I was like, when you're doing that, I think your kids, you're doing a disservice to them and, and your wife too because 
when you're not, I think this thing God has given you this life is like you to be a steward of it. You got to sit there. You got 86,000 seconds a day. What are you going to do with it? You can sit there and go after it. Maybe fail, fall flat on your face next day and do it again. Man, I would rather fail every day and win eventually than work for the man or do anything else that I don't feel like, you know, fulfilled doing. Because sometimes I get friends like, what are you doing? You're crazy. Or that that sounds so crazy. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't, you know, I was like, you go to a job, work for somebody you don't even like. And you hate your, you don't even like anything you do. Your wife doesn't like you. Your kids don't know who you are. And I was like, you call me crazy. I was like, I get to live where I want to live, do what I want to do, and, and in my own terms. And I was like, if something doesn't align with my values, I'm not going to do it. So here's the thing that I think our listeners should know, is that we're not special. No. But, but here's the thing, they say that, right? They look and they say, Ryan, you know, you get to travel all over, you get to do this, you know, you... Be, you know, we're not special. I think that's what makes Forged by Fire so important for our listeners is that we're not someone special. Daniel Shaw is not someone special. Ryan Stevens, Rob, we're not some, we're not someone special. We just decided that it's not okay to not get after it. I think we're going to cut in on this conversation and say the rest of it for next week's podcast. As you can tell, any time with Daniel Shaw is a valuable time, and we really enjoyed sitting down and chatting with him on Forged by Fire. While you wait for next week's episode, we'd love it if you'd take some time to go over to iTunes and rate, review, subscribe, and also share it with a friend. That would mean the world to Ron and I. Until next time, Forged by Fire, out. <laughs>